The following is a presentation of Renfrew Baptist Church, a community of faith that exists to create obedient followers of Jesus Christ who love God and love people. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what you did for us when you sent your son on that cross. I pray that we would never lose sight of the agony that you endured, and that we would never get so comfortable with the sign of the cross that we forget that it represents something wonderful and yet horrific. God, we love you and ask you to speak to us, to help us to draw near to you this Easter. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's Friday today. We call it Good Friday. But to those that were around Jesus, those that followed him, it would have been anything but good. I can only imagine what it must have been like those moments seeing Jesus on that cross thinking, this is how it ends? This is it? Now we just heard a passage from Mark, from Mark 15. And Mark is an incredibly interesting book because it's written very specifically. Now, sometimes when we read books of the Bible, we can lose some of the literary nuances of the book. The Gospel of Mark was written very intentionally. One of the things that's specific about Mark, set aside from the other Gospels, is that Mark spends the majority of the early part of the book using words like immediately, over and over and over again, to encourage us to be reminded that this is moving quickly. Things are are racing forward, and then it comes to a screeching halt at the passion narrative. And it's like the, the author of Mark is leaning towards us and encouraging us to lean back, as if to say, pay attention. This is important. This changes everything. But many of us, we know the story, don't we? We, we've heard the story hundreds of times. We've, we've seen the pictures. We've watched the movies. We've become so comfortable and desensitized that we've lost sight of the cross. We can get so comfortable and read it and lose the awe and wonder. And so Easter gives us an opportunity to look back yet again on that cross and to our Savior it gives us the chance to be refocused if we let it. And so here we are. Jesus has just spent an entire night sleepless and alone. He is the worst kind of alone. He's alone and with people. He's with his disciples, but they can't even stay awake. And so he is exhausted. Now, many of us know what it's like to have a sleepless night because we're worrying about what might be. But Jesus knew exactly what was coming. And I can only imagine what that night must have been like. And he knew what was around the corner. And then Judas betrayed him. He sold him out and Jesus knew that it was coming. And then he went before the council, declared that he was God, and they declared that he should die. There's false witnesses everywhere. They're, they're trying to find him guilty, but they can't. And then Peter denies Jesus. 
And Jesus told him, Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter said, of course I would never deny you. And yet, Peter proves him right and denies him. There's Jesus by himself. And he was tried and then found guilty, though he was innocent. And Jesus knew it was coming. And the mob reminded him with their chants, crucify him, crucify him. And he knew what was around the corner. He was beaten by a mob of cowards. And they stripped him, tore his clothes off, left him in shame. And then he was scourged. Scourging was so painful that sometimes people who were scourged would not even make it to the cross. They would just die during that process. Jesus would have been chained with his hands above his head. Two men on either side of him would take turns whipping him. And they used a special kind of whip with chunks of metal that was intended to tear apart his body, his flesh. And oftentimes when someone was scourged, their skin and their muscles would hang like ribbons. It was a horrific process. So often, people would be in shock just from the sheer blood loss. There's our Savior, beaten. And they whipped him to the point that he barely looked human. And he was exhausted, beaten within an inch of his life. You see, the Romans were really good at knowing how close they could get, how much they could whip someone until they died, and then just dial it back a little bit. There's our Savior, our King, and he was led away to be crucified. And the cross would have weighed as much as a few hundred pounds. If he just took the cross beam, it would be a, a hundred pounds. And even someone who's healthy would struggle. But he was exhausted and broken and beaten. beaten and he couldn't carry the cross. And so they grabbed Simon. And he carried that cross. Now that walk must have felt like an eternity. And they took Jesus and prepared him for the cross. Now, there are a few details in the Bible about crucifixion. Most scholars believe that's because we didn't need to explain it to the original audience. They had seen crucifixion. They had experienced the horror, the, the absolute horror of crucifixion. They had seen people be murdered this way. But most of us have not seen a crucifixion other than maybe a, a video and so sometimes we can lose sight of what actually happened. We can forget or we can just misunderstand. You see, crucifixion had been around for a long time, and like many things involving cruelty, the Romans had perfected it. It was an incredibly painful death, and it was reserved for despised people. The worst of the worst, the slaves, the poor, and ultimately the ones who committed high treason. And there is Jesus, the innocent lamb, condemned to this fate. The agony of the crucifixion was so excruciating that the word excruciating 
was actually created as a result. Excruciating means from the cross. Part of the reason the death was so painful is that it occurred over this extended period of asphyxiation, as we heard, where you slowly suffocated. Jesus, the carpenter who had driven nails into wood, countless nails, had nails driven into his hands and his feet. And then he was mocked, and he was called the king of the Jews. Now, crucified people could hang on the cross anywhere from three hours to nine days. And the time would be spent passing in and out of consciousness as they tried to breathe. And they told him to save himself. They told him he was powerless. But they didn't understand true power. Just like he had so many times in his teaching, Jesus was about to subvert everything that was understood. And so Jesus eventually cried out in a loud voice, Even in this beaten and broken state, his voice still reverberated with volume. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He stood in the gap, our sins on his shoulders. When God looked at Jesus, he saw our sins. You're self-sufficient and self-righteous, consumed with yourself and your own selfish ambitions. You want all the glory, worshiping things instead of me. You're greedy and lazy. You're a gossip. You're a liar, conceited and vain. You're an adulterer. You practice sexual immorality. You exchange my truth for a lie. You hate your neighbor. You oppress the poor and ignore the needy. You persecute my people. You deny me with your life. You love money, prestige, and honor. You try to look good on the outside, but inside you know you're a mess. You're lukewarm and easily blown in the wind. You compare yourself to others and covet their things. You're filled with rage and envy. You're bitter and filled with unforgiveness. You blame others for your sins. You're too proud to acknowledge your own brokenness. You're quick to speak and quick to anger. You have a sharp tongue. You criticize and judge. You use your words to condemn and tear down. You mock your parents. You have no self-control. You cause division and stir up strife. You're a drunk and a thief. You don't trust me, so you worry about everything. You blaspheme against me. You don't love your spouse like you should. You lord power over those weaker than you. Jesus takes all of these sins, all of our sins, and he wears them. And he takes all of God's wrath upon himself. And in that moment, something seemingly impossible happened. Jesus, who was God was separated from God. All sins separate us from God. And in that moment, our sin separated Jesus from the Father. And Jesus cried out. The guards tried to silence him with a sponge on a stick with vinegar. 
In that time, it was common for that tool to be used like toilet paper, and they tried to stick it in his mouth. And he uttered another loud cry and took his last breath. And at that moment, the atonement for sin was made, and the holiness, righteousness, justice, and wrath of God were satisfied in the crucifixion of Jesus. At that moment, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. For many years, the most sacred place was the temple. God's presence was found behind the thick curtain, and one day a year, the high priest could go and be in the presence of God. The Jews called that day the Day of Atonement. And when Jesus died and the curtain was torn, suddenly God's presence was available through him to everyone. Jesus died on that cross for our sins to atone for us, paying the penalty that we deserved. The day of atonement in that time was often called the day. Now we come together for the day when the ultimate atonement took place. It was always blood. It always required blood. Sin always leads to death And the Jews always needed a sacrifice of blood. And he could have demanded our blood, but he willingly poured out his own for us. We should have gotten what we deserved, and yet Jesus paid the ultimate price. It's so upside down. So you have to understand that in that time, to those people, gods do not die. If you are a God and you die, you cease to be a God. It makes no sense that God would die. And yet, Jesus, who was fully God, died. In that moment, death signaled victory over the consequences of sin. And it makes no sense that death would signal victory. And yet, it did. Dying on a cross seemed to be the ultimate picture of powerlessness, hung up on there, stuck with nails in your hands and your feet, unable to move. It makes no sense that that would be a symbol of power. And yet, in the upside-down kingdom of God, there's power. See, they tried to mock him, saying that he was the king of the Jews. And they had no idea how true they were. They tried to mock him, saying, you said you're going to restore the temple after three days, mocking him, not realizing that they were about to witness a miracle. And we tried to heap on more sin. We thought it was too much for his outstretched arms. We didn't realize that he took every single bit of it, all of our sin, past, present, and future. The cross, a symbol of torture and agony. And it became a beacon of our hope. See, he knew that it was going to happen. Jesus knew that it was coming. It was not a surprise to him. In fact, he knew because Isaiah knew. Isaiah 53, 3-12 says this, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. 
He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. That makes no sense outside of the upside-down kingdom. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as sheep is silent, as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not even open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and he had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins." I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for them. See, in this moment, we turn our eyes to the cross. And we know that our sin put Jesus there. That he died for us. That he died for them. The hurting, the broken, the sinful, the messed up that live outside of these walls. He did it for them. He did it for us. He stood in the middle for us. And it is finished. See, it's Friday, and we have hope. See, we see that cross, and we see that it's empty. He's not up there. We thank God And we thank Jesus for what he did on that cross for us. And we pray that we never lose sight. Let's pray. And then we're going to sing one more song. God, thank you. Jesus, thank you for the horrific pain that you endured. For the beating that you endured for us. God, I'm reminded of Romans 5.8 that you didn't just die for us when we were clean, but... Instead, when we are at our worst, our most sinful. God, you endured agony. You understand suffering. You understand what we go through. God, what an incredible thing that we don't just come to you, that you actually came to us. And you paid the ultimate price. You gave your life for us. You gave your life for them. God, I pray that as we go about our day, that we keep our eyes on you. God, we have hope because we know that Sunday's coming. But we don't want to allow 
that hope and knowing how this story ends to rob us of feeling the weight of what the disciples must have felt in those moments. The weight of seeing our innocent Savior, our Messiah, our King on that cross. God, you are worthy of all glory and honor. We love you and are thankful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now to whom who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, the the same power that raised Christ from the dead, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. This has been a presentation of Renfrew Baptist Church, a community of faith that exists to create obedient followers of Jesus Christ who love God and love people.